Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. With localised soil moisture deficit leading to variable grass supply on farms, Head of Dairy Knowledge Transfer, Joe Patton, joins us to consider how grass cover should inform supplementation strategy for your farm. It's very variable, to be honest. Um, I suppose south and southeast as maybe um, and, and maybe East Leinster quite tight at the moment. Soil moisture deficits up at 50, obviously affecting growth at that at that rate. Um, it's a bit of bits of rain this week. Haven't done much just so far. Um, so those those farms are probably struggling. They're in the, in the low to mid 40s in growth rate at this stage. Then I suppose maybe further north around maybe Ballyhays area that would be linking into that. Those growth rates are more like 70 to 80. They've had good they've had good growth over the last number of weeks. Um, but probably could be doing with a bit of rain at the, even in those areas at this stage. So bit of a, a knife edge at the moment on a lot of farms. Um, silage coming in in some cases um, certainly could do with a drop of rain for sure. And if if we turn our attention to, I suppose, some of the up to date figures um, from this week's Grass Ten newsletter, you know, on average things look healthy. Um, you know, farm cover of seven three one per hectare and at two one nine per cow. You know, I suppose if you're a farm who's at that average or maybe above it, I mean, is it time to take action in terms of the the level of farm cover per cow on farms? Yeah, I, look, and I think it very much depends. It's very localised, I would say. You know, we do have people, I suppose, look, to be fair, the, the, the majority that's maybe in, in a good position, Emma-Louise, tend to be just tipping along, whereas advisors are getting calls from people that might be in a bit of trouble, I would say. That's probably, that always probably uh, biases the, the the view of it in a little way. But look, at, I suppose... Uh, in a, in a situation where 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 growth rates are drop have dropped significantly and 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 um, there's a danger of running rotation length too tight, really what we'd be saying is still trying to hold growth rate at this stage to to at least twenty twenty two days at, at in and around that level. Um, it's not a brown drought like we would have seen in other years where things are very very tight and maybe grass quality is 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 in rapid decline. Farms are still relatively green for the most part. Um, so it's really a case of holding, holding, um, holding cover at this stage and holding rotation length, um, you know. But we do see some other farms that are that are that are flying along, I suppose. So really, that the message has to be, whatever the average says is one thing, but really, whatever your own growth rate and your own situation says is really the thing you have to act on. So don't let in, don't let rotation length drop too quickly. I should say, um, and put in some supplementary feed if needed. But for the most part, most farms are still okay at this stage. It's probably more concentrate than silage that would be needed uh, for the moment. But look at if if things change in 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 weather wise. I know this the heat has gone out of it too. Maybe in terms of temperature, probably will help a little bit as well. So it's a wait and see thing. But just don't let grass cover drop too low below. Certainly not below five hundred over the next over the next week or ten days. We would say. And and on that, in terms of supplement, the the newsletter also suggests that you know the diet is on average looking at four fourteen and a half kilos of grazed grass, three kilos of meal, and a half a kilo of silage. So as you say, localized, some people have gone in with the silage supplementation. But if we look at the the meal element of the diet, um, you know, I suppose there's a, a total range in terms of what people are feeding and in 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 meal. 
um, I suppose, could you guide us, Joe, in terms of the response we're going to achieve um, in terms of kilos of milk from meal? And where is the sweet spot people um, should be at at the moment? Yeah, good question. And I think we have to divide that into two situations, Emma-Louise. It's very important that we, we, we look at it in, in, in two ways. So the response to meal is something that is often asked. It's asked every year. And we, we just have to understand maybe where, what we're actually talking about here. So in a situation where um, in a situation where uh, growth rate is tight and grass grass um, availability is tight, really what we're doing is using concentrate as a, as kilos of dry matter to replace grass that we don't have. Okay, and in that situation, really, you know, that's concentrate being used as a supplement to the to the wedge almost, so that the total intake of the animal is not of the individual animal is not really increasing therefore strange to say it i suppose but therefore on some farms where you could have four or five kilos of concentrate going in you may not actually see that major difference in milk yield at all because all you're doing is using that concentrate to replace the grass that you don't have if you get me so that's a that's one situation and i suppose we need to be careful in in, in when meal has been used in that way it's been used to stretch rotation length. And because of that, then, you know, the one thing we don't want happening in that situation is, you know, concentrate going in to save grass and then, you know, maybe grass not being allocated and maybe post-grazing residuals or post-grazing heights coming up. So therefore we end up feeding meal, but not really saving grass at all. That's one situation. So in that in that case, our response, our, our milk yield per cow mightn't look that different than when we had just grass and a, and a kilo, for example. So that's that's one issue. On the other side of the coin, then, I think, and it's happening on maybe farms that are pretty much OK for grass at the moment, in that situation that possibly they're looking at it and saying, you know, milk yield or milk price is high, uh, conditions are good. Is it now an opportunity to drive on uh, milk production? That's a slightly different situation because in that situation you're looking at getting a production response from your from your meal in a situation where you already have uh, adequate grass on the farm to feed the cows fully, if you get me. And on that, say where you are in the situation, you're okay for grass, and there is that temptation. You know, milk price is so high at the moment, and um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure have have we ever seen it as high in recent years, and. I suppose there is a backdrop of concentrate is high, but, you know, relatively the concentrate price is lower. So, I mean, if you could step it up, I have plenty of grass on farm, but I want to I'm going to stay pressing the button in the parlor. Where are the responses and and where do you, I suppose, meet that point where it's it's of negative benefit to the farm? Yeah, it's a good question because there's a lot There has been a fair bit of commentary, I would say in the industry over the last while that, you know, milk price is high, never been higher, as you say, it's time to push on uh, with, with with supplement. And look, I suppose, you know, we all have it in our head, Emma-Louise, that pretty much in around a kilo for kilo is kind of where the average response might be, right? So you're looking at it in very simplistic terms, you might say milk price is 60 cents, um, you know, um, milk price received is 60 cents, for example, Meal price is probably something around 410, 415 a ton, so 41 cent or thereabouts. So for every kilo of meal I feed, I'm going to make 20 cent per 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 head per day. That's the 
that's the simple narrative that's presented to people in a lot of cases. But I think that ignores one major, major and one very important uh, truth. And it goes for a lot of things in this world. There is such thing as a diminishing return. So not every kilo you feed is going to give you kilo for kilo response. Far from it, actually. Uh, and looking at some of our own work in on, in the field and looking at some of our own uh, nutritional models where we look at these things and supplement you know, looking at looking at what might happen, it is important to know that there's a a sliding scale, if you like. So there is a diminishing return, and uh, at the more meal you feed, the less response you get to the to the final kilogram. So, for example, at the moment, it's probably fairly safe to say that the first couple of kilos of concentrate that you feed are probably given a response of something in the region of maybe. 0.8 or 0.9 of a kilo of 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 uh, of milk per kilo fed. So, let's take for handiness 60 cent. So that means that your your 60 or your 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 kilo of concentrate is returning six by 0.8. It's returning 50 cent worth of milk. It's costing you. Uh, 41 cent to feed so you have a nine cent of a response um for the first kilo or two that you're feeding the problem happens really when you move up sort of over that sort of three to four and into five and five and six kilos the response rate to the extra kilo or the marginal kilo of meal will drop down to maybe 0.5 so for that what i mean there is you're going to get half a liter of milk for every kilo of meal fed or thereabouts, right? So that's going to give you a response of 30 cent um, per kilo for uh, for um, 30 cent uh, of milk, sorry, for every 42 cent of meal that you feed. So therefore, on the last couple of kilos that you're feeding, you're actually losing 12 cent a litre, if you get, or sorry, 12 cent a kilo. So if, if you want to look at it that way, the first couple of kilos of meal, you're making 10, the last couple of kilos you're feeding, you're losing 10 and you end up breaking even on the four or five kilos overall, if that makes sense. So really the message there is when grass is in plentiful supply, look at this year, there's probably a response to a couple of kilos uh, at this stage, but not much more than that. Okay. And it while it is tempting to say, I'm looking at my meal and price and looking at my milk price and there's a good ratio there. The critical thing you have to remember is that the response per kilo declines sharply once you go over that couple of kilo feeding rate when grass is plentiful. So therefore, there's no free lunch in any of this, um, Emma-Louise. We have to be careful that we don't over supplement to the point that actually that it's costing us money to be feeding meal at the very high rate, even though milk price is over 60 centiliter. And it's it's an interesting one because I, I suppose what you've alluded to there is you're winning on your first, say, two, maybe three kilos. And then beyond that point, you're you're I suppose you're you're eroding profit. And so you're, as you say, breaking even. Um, and an interesting comment I was out on at a discussion group a couple of years ago and, and the Chagas advisor talked about, you know, we're in a high price, um, you know, high milk price year and that it's, you know, it's important to protect profit. And I suppose it is not to feed into the temptation of the the 60 cent um, with, with that in mind. Two questions, um, I suppose, follow on points. Um, I suppose the response you've talked about, um, you know, you're talking about 0.8 or 0.9 kilos of milk for that first kilo or two of concentrate and then you're dropping back to 0.5 uh, kilos um, you know for that 
maybe the three, four, five kilos of meal. But I, I, I was looking at it earlier today and at this stage for a farm that has a mean calving date of the 20th of February, that is, um, you know, the average cow in that herd is 150 days in milk. You know, I suppose how relevant is days in milk? And, uh, you know, as we look going forward um, in the lactation, we're starting to build grass. So again, there's a temptation maybe to keep that meal in. So, you know, is that response going to stay steady at those numbers or will it decline into later lactation? It's a very good question. Look at when we do the same type of exercise in the in the rising phase of lactation, uh, Emma Louise, and this always comes up every spring. We talk about where's the feeding rate likely to be. When we talk of about that 0.8 down to 0.5, in the springtime when the cow is actually establishing her own uh, peak yield or heading towards peak yield, those responses are more like 1.2 falling back to 0.7. In, in later lactation, because the cow is now in a situation where she's losing milk production capacity, um, the, 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 the tissue in the udder that produces the milk is actually inevitably in slow decline. That limits the, the, the rate of, of response. That's the key point. So while you still get a decline in response in the springtime, you're getting it off a higher feeding level overall. It's it's at it's going to be at a lower feeding level as you push on to 150, 200 days in milk. So I'm happy that the figures that we talked about there, they will persist sort of from that 150 to 250 days or there thereabouts. You'd probably look at it after that again and say that the top responses are are dropping back. Now there is one caveat with that, I suppose, that when we look at the responses in very late lactation, as in October time, you know, late September, October into November time. We have to remember also that the quality of the diet from a grass point of view has dropped away at that time of the year as well. So that means that, you know, that the extra kilo, I suppose, of supplement is probably justified when weather and conditions and um, and grass quality is poor. But for the moment, the figures that I laid out there a second ago, are, we're, we're probably happy that they will bring us into, into sort of early September time, I, I would say. Now, you mentioned about building cover and using grass or sorry, using concentrate to build cover. If you're using concentrate to build cover, you won't be getting those type of responses because the reason you get those kind of milk yield responses is when you offer concentrate in addition to the grass. When you're using concentrate to build cover, you're actually offering concentrate instead of grass for a couple of weeks in order to try and restrict the cow's grass intake to let it build up. So I suppose we just have to be careful that what we're talking about there um, we're, if we're going to be using concentrate to build cover, we have to be we have to be lengthening, um, you know, rotation length at the same time and grazing a bit less of the farm every day and in order to let to let it build up. Now, that's really going to start, I suppose, you know, in the next in the next couple of weeks and sort of certainly by by early by late late July, early August, we're, we're going to be certainly looking at thinking about rotation length starting to to stretch out um you know rather than the 21 22 day round we're going to be heading towards 25 26 and on up you know as we push on further up closer to 35 38 days uh, into into later into august so um i suppose growth rate will dictate a lot of that but for the moment i think uh, really what we want to be doing is holding our cover on a rotation length particularly where conditions are are a bit tight and if conditions are pretty good don't be tempted by the very high levels of milk, uh, the quoted levels of high milk price. There's still, uh, you know, there's still a, a pinch point in that the cow can only respond so far. And that limits, you know, that limits the, the value that we can get from the extra meal. 
And and my final question in relation to supplement then, Joe, is, um, you know, I suppose where, where grass is plentiful and, and there are some farms in that scenario. Um, is there, um, I suppose, a response in terms of displacement of grazing, um, you know, essentially grass that's been left behind in the paddock as a result of higher levels of meal feeding? Yeah, and look, at that's a good question. And I suppose... That's why, you know, people, you know, people often ask, like, why, what limits the response? Like, if you look on paper, on paper, you would say there's enough energy or enough nutrient in a kilo of meal to produce two litres of milk, uh, Louise, if you do the energy figures on it. But so why doesn't, why don't we ever see two litres of a response per kilo of meal fed? The simple read, there's two reasons for it. Number one is when you feed concentrate, you're going to reduce the in, the grass intake of the cow. She's going to eat less grass. And it's a, a an old rule of thumb, and it's not a bad one, that for every for every kilo of meal you feed, your cow eats for about 15 to 20 kilo, minutes less in the day. So if you're feeding four kilos, your cows are going to be grazing for maybe an hour to an hour and a half less in the day. That limits their appetite for grass. That reduces the total intake of grass. So therefore, your production will be not as the production response won't be as high as you think it would. That also will affect your your cleanouts and your residuals if you're overdoing on the meal. The second part of the reason why there's not as big a response as you might think you should get is that when you introduce high level, higher, high and higher levels of concentrate into the cow's diet, the digestibility of grass actually declines in the rumen itself. So the the, the bugs in the rumen, the cow's rumen, actually start to switch over and become more like the bugs that would actually digest, uh, concentrate more than grass. And therefore, the digestibility of your total diet drops. Uh, and that actually limits the amount of nutrient that the cow takes from her diet. So actually, you know, we it's back to that idea that, you know, you know, when you say, well, what type of response or what's the le- level of energy of, of of meal or of energy did you get from the diet from, from meal? It really depends on how much of it you feed, actually. So it's an interesting thing, I always think, to think that, you know, the more concentrate that you feed, actually, that actually the lower value uh, the lower energy value it has because it because of its effect on digestibility. So you have an intake effect and you have a, 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 a rumen effect as well. And all of those things contribute to the idea that you don't get as much milk as you think you might. And I, I guess finally then, Joe, um, you know, we, we've alluded to it already. You know, we are moving away from our um, mid-season grass wedge and we're moving into uh, the autumn rotation and I suppose there's one eye on winter and you have uh, recently published a fodder report. Um, you know, it's, it's an ongoing process this year. Um, could, I, could you give us an update from, you know, I suppose a dairy farm perspective, where are fodder reserves at right now um, as we move in towards, um, I suppose, the latter half of the year? Yeah, look, at overall, I would say, Emily's when we did our we did our survey, there was about oh, just over 500 farms in total split between uh, dairy and dry stock. We were actually relatively happy um, that the, the average, the average again, these dangerous averages that we're always talking about, but the average um, surplus uh, on farms was somewhere in the region of 15 to 20 percent, which is a positive story considering all of the concern and all of the issue around, um, you know, all of the issue around um fertilizer availability uh, for the for for the and price for at the start of the year. So I think we're relatively happy that that on average things are, are are pretty healthy. However, you look in certain areas of the country, particularly maybe the 
the southeast and the east, uh, the level of surplus is not as high there. It's more like maybe five to ten percent surplus. And also we see that maybe one one um, you know one farm in eight maybe or there or thereabouts is is slightly short on feed. Okay, so that becomes a question really that for the individual it's more important to look at your own circumstances than just what the average is. I also I also think that there's a couple of things playing in there also that even though the, the conditions are quite healthy from a from a, a silage availability point of view on average possibly this year is not a year where people are going to be too uh, inclined to trade silage or to offer silage for sale too early in the year. So it becomes more difficult, I would say, to source uh, external uh, sources of silage uh, so easily, um, maybe coming into the autumn. So people still have time to do something about it um, before heading into the autumn if they can. the biggest issue there really for farms that are significantly short and maybe heading towards 20% short is really to look at stock numbers and to offload culls uh, and offload animals uh, earlier than they had planned. That will have a major effect on the, on the, on the um, that will have a major effect on the supply of silage for later in the year. Uh, the second thing I suppose really is that, you know, that, as I say, you don't want to be relying on on purchasing silage next next February or next March. That's not where we'd like to be. Um, silage made on the stem this time of the year, it's getting late for it. Um, difficult to make the numbers pay on it, possibly. But again, for some farms, they may may be if they're significantly short. Now is the time just to go out and top up essentially uh, in what they need. Filling the gaps with meal this year is going to be very very costly. You would say. So really, the first protocol is looking at surplus stock numbers and can you move them out? Can you move those out earlier? That would be that will be important. But look at I think one other final point on that maybe is just, you know, when we do talk about trying to get our, you know, get our rotation lengths lengthened and maybe deal with with drought conditions at the moment, that does mean having to put in additional surplus um, or sorry, put in additional feed maybe in the short term. So like we say, if we're trying to extend our rotation length out sort of, you know, up to sort of maybe in the region of 30 days by the, by early September or maybe slightly over that, maybe up to 35 days into mid-September. If we're short on feed in the yard, it's going to be difficult to justify feeding that. It'll feel difficult to justify feeding silage in September, in, in August to have grass in September and October. So it seems a bit counterintuitive if you're short on silage, maybe people are going to be trying to save silage at that time of the year. But our advice is really that look at, uh, in order to make sure that we don't have a very long winter and that we don't end up with cows in the shed by the middle of October, take action on your grass covers in in August and don't be afraid to feed at that stage in order to to build grass on the farm because the last thing you want this year is a is a, is a, is a very long winter, I suppose, is the message. Okay, so that's, you know, that that's important, particularly farms that are feeling the pinch at the moment. Don't ignore the need to get to that sort of thirty odd day rotation length by by early September. If we don't meet that, we could we could be in for a long winter, which nobody wants if if silage is tight. And I think, you know, it's it's a great point. And, um, you know, if people could assess their situation, what's happening right now on farm, but also what's happening in terms of the the winter fodder reserve, um, you know, you know, even for people who don't, you know, typically measure their grass, if you go out and get a handle on where farm cover is right now and where do I need to be? Like you've mentioned the figure, hold rotation length, don't let things drop below 500 kilos. You know, the average farm 
farmer in the country is a lot higher than that. But if you are, you know, in a, uh, I suppose that localized situation where things are tight, it is time to take action. We need to start building. And, and you talk about, you know, hitting that rotation length of 30 days in, um, you know, by September in order to stretch things, keep cows out of grass, you know, that cheap feed, um, you know, the high quality feed that we can get into cows. And then also to establish where is my farm at? I know like the, the country is split up into four regions in terms of quoting the levels of um, reserve that are on farms. But, you know, I suppose your yard it might be a totally different story to the average of your region. So it's no harm to do that father father budget. It's as it's as simple or as complicated as you'd like to make it. But just to, I suppose, put a number on what exactly is in the yard and what do I need for the winter? Sure, sure. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the essential point is that, you know, this is a good year. This will be a good year to have plenty of grass still on the farm in October. It'll all be needed. Uh, it's it, You can consider it part of your winter feed almost because if you can stretch your grass availability for a week or 10 days in, in, in November, that's a week or 10 days less silage to be fed. Uh, and really don't rely on the averages and certainly don't rely on wishful thinking this year. Just do a few measures. Talk to your advisor uh, locally. The, the solutions are relatively simple um, and look at, um, you know, there's plenty of advice there uh, in around all that. So really get get stuck in with a few figures and make a simple plan. And, you know, for the most part, we're very encouraged by the situation on the on the ground. But we just be concerned that individual farms could have a tough time if they don't take action soon enough. And that's really all we want to, to make that point so that it's not. By no means, it look it doesn't look like a catastrophe this year by any means. It looks very healthy, actually, but individual farms need to take action where needed. And that's the main point. That's brilliant. Thank you, Joe. Thanks, Emma-Louise. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And my thanks to Joe Patton for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.